0: Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 13. This week's episode of Upgrade is brought to you by Boom 2 from Global Delight, a system wide volume booster and equalizer for the Mac, PDF Pan Scan Plus from Smile, the app on mobile for scanning and OCR, and MailRoute, a secure, hosted email service for protection from viruses and spam. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by your host and mine, Mr. Jason Snell. Hi, Mike. How's it going? Very well, Mr. Jason Snell. How are you? I am doing fine, Mr. Mike
1: Hurley. How are things in the Snell zone uh, this uh, week? They are a little damp, okay. <laughs> because we've had a lot of rain. Well, for your... By your standards, we've probably had very little rain. You've had a Wednesday
0: afternoon's amount of rain.
1: There have been, um, there have been days of uh, where we didn't get rain, which is unlike, I think, England. So yeah, but we know we've had a lot of rain, which is good, and the the hills are turning green and not the, uh, you know, sort of brown, sun blasted hellscape that described by John Syracuse when he visited my house once. Uh, we're, it's greening up. It's uh yeah. So, uh it's uh it's good. We're getting ready for uh the holidays. We got the we got the Christmas lights on uh, the house and we have a Christmas tree and uh we're frantically shopping for things and you know all the usual things that make December the most stressful time. time of the year.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um does it snow where you live, Jason?
1: No. Uh, never. Not at all. Not at all. Never, never, ever. Um, I think there have been two times since we've lived in, in this County where snow was visible briefly as it was falling and then was no longer snow again. Um, but generally because we're by the ocean, the, uh, the temperature stays pretty warm. And anytime, anytime you have a storm that comes in, the storm insulates the, um, the air and keeps it from getting too cold so we can be cold we can be below freezing or we can be rainy but it's very rare that it's cold enough to cause snow because when it's that cold it usually doesn't rain so but where i grew up we used to get snow a few times a year up in the mountains but down here um by the bay there's uh there's not a lot of uh there's no snow it doesn't happen
0: we don't get a lot uh every couple of years i think these these in recent times there's been enough snowfall to make a disruption um but that doesn't take a lot of snowfall here because we're not prepared for it so if you have oh, like, yeah. just a moderate amount of snow it kind of shuts england and the uk mm. just down just shuts us down actually that's just what england, rain does really because that's like, what Scotland, rain does in california it rains yeah. in
1: california it's like oh go no, it's raining no we don't know what to do
0: Sure, Scotland is probably just used to it and they it shrug just, it off. It just rolls down the hills. It's no problem. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it shuts England down anyway. Anyhow, we have some follow up, I believe. What is our follow up this week, Mr. Snell? Oh, is there follow up on this show? I, I think I so. I think it's, I uh, think it's an important uh, part of this
1: show. I, I need to snap out of my reverie about snow and weather and get to that. That was our weather vertical, Mike. Uh huh. I was we're hoping to say that. We're putting that in the weather vertical. Um, Follow-up. Listener Michael wrote in and said, your discussions the last two weeks about striking out on your own and your hopes for the future of your new businesses struck a chord with me. Um, and this is this is what he, he said that I thought was really interesting. Um, I learned, as I explored different opportunities, I learned about many businesses that exist to help small firms like yours, I encourage you to look to other small businesses for the services that you need, but for which you can't afford to pay full-time staff. My point is you can become a good-sized business without hiring full-time personal staff. So this was that question we got last week about uh, what if you become a big business? What And uh, listener Michael's point is that you don't necessarily have to Um, become that's not the only path to suddenly have five employees in an office somewhere because there are lots of other people who are doing what we're doing and they would love our business to to help their business too which i thought was a, a nice point so and and he says mike i'm assuming the small business professional market is robust in the uk as well he's in chicago so he says we're unlikely to be a client for him sorry but um but there are people all over i thought i thought that was an interesting point the the idea that uh uh, a lot of times you have different small businesses that specialize in different things, and they work together, and that uh, and that's good. And you don't have to just kind of so relay doesn't have to become a giant twenty person operation if you don't want it to be.
0: I don't want it to be. I would love an assistant.
1: Um, yeah, well, oh, sure, and that's harder to outsource. Although. I think I think I know somebody who's got a an outsourced assistant. That's like part of an in- assistant. I, this isn't the name of it, but it's like myassistant.com kind of yeah, thing. Where I know people th- that
0: have used these these sorts of services, and it, I, I don't trust them. I feel like you would just be spending most of your time trying to explain to somebody what you need.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know whether this is a whether whether. Well, let's be face. Let's face it. I'm talking about Lex Friedman here. I, I, because I, I occasionally will email him, and and suddenly I'll get a CC, and it'll be like, oh, take care. Can you schedule something with Jason here? And I think his, I think his assistant is is like in Texas or somewhere, just like literally random location. And I don't know whether she works for their company or works for, as a contractor or what the what the deal is. But, um, but I I agree that having somebody who knows the business and and. Uh, is going to be preferable if you can get to the point where that's you know that's uh feasible
0: i like how you said let's face it like everybody assumed you were talking about lex
1: (laughs) that's how that's how i chose to throw lex under that particular
0: bus gigs up you got me it's Lex. it's lex of course it's always lex
1: it's always that's the answer to everything it's always Lex.
0: i don't think i want um an assistant sitting here right next to me like I think I like the idea of having because most of the stuff that I do I don't need somebody here. No, but you know, just somebody to, to like. For example, there's this thing that I need to do with some old audio files. I need to check some, make sure that one is the correct version, basically. And it could and it could be like a hundred audio files I need to go through. Mm. And I would love to be able to give that to somebody to do. Oh, and by the way, listeners, I'm not I'm not asking. For volunteers, for volunteers, it's perfectly yeah. fine. Uh, I will one day hire someone, but right now I can just just get on with it and, and deal with it because uh, I know that there are there are people that would would very gladly offer help because they enjoy what we do because we get that sort of stuff. But I, I already thank you for your um, for your thought, but it's it's fine. Mm-hmm. I, I need to hire somebody, and right now I, I don't want to, I can't really afford to do that. Next piece of follow all
1: right. up. <laughs> all right, good, good follow up. Uh, listener Eugene wrote in, um, and you may have missed this because Eugene's name was printed in Cyrillic, and so I think my email client was like, "I think this is probably spam," but it's not spam. Uh, <laughs> it's lis- it's listener Eugene. <laughs> Eugene. Uh, uh, so he says he says I I think all the things you're saying on the show and all the people in the podcast field are really supportive and encouraging newcomers. Um, however, I think it's worth mentioning or talking about how the podcast should be distributed if you're new in the f- in, in the field. This comes from real questions of my own. I'd love to do a show myself, but who might want to listen to the ramble of a 19-year-old without any guests? All the independent podcasts are made by people well-known in their field, and most of the people don't have a, such a background and such a number of followers. Um, what can a young novice podcaster do to find an audience? What would you do if you started from scratch? I suppose that Mike can answer this question because he started doing this on his own way back when. So Mike, what's the advice for somebody who's just getting started in podcasting? Do you have to be famous doing something
0: else before you can uh, be a podcaster? Definitely not, but find a friend, um, either a friend in real life or a friend that you've made on the internet um, and and do the show with them because it really helps to be able to talk to somebody. Uh, And yes, you probably can't get, Guests on the show if you're just starting out, but you shouldn't have guests on your show if you're just starting out, in my opinion. Hmm. That's why I think it's difficult for people who want to do interview shows because you need to build your skills especially if you've never sat down in front of the microphone before, and you're maybe best waiting until you've had a bit of practice before you start bringing guests onto your show. Because, I mean, obviously one of the great reasons about having a guest on your show is it brings more people to your show. But if you've not yet gotten to a point where you are comfortable with what you're doing, then you may be doing a disservice for your show because it can't be as good as it could be if you did it in two months' time, for example. So find a friend. And do the show with them. So you can share the work Mm. um, and you can share in the success that you'll have later on. Um, And also because it is way easier to talk to somebody than to talk on your own. So yes, anybody can do it. You just need to, I would say, to find somebody to do the show with, start doing it with them. And as you get better, then invite guests. However, in this day and age, with there being so many podcasts, having guests, having high profile guests don't necessarily mean that your show is going to become an overnight success but just keep plugging away and working on it and i assure you that you an audience will build
1: so was uh was uh terry lucy your find a friend
0: he was he was he was my one of my best friends in real life we went to school together and uh, we started doing the show together and then as time went on i then started finding online friends people that i'd met by oh. twitter or via other networks and in little groups and then started doing the shows that way. And that's how the rest of my shows have been born um, is through people that I've met uh, over the internet, which is something that me and Casey talk about an analog this week, actually is that sort of like how Twitter becomes like you get into these groups, you know, like you find a group of people that love, So, for example, there are people that I know. Like, there's this little group of people who are big fans of relay shows, and they talk, and we talk, and they talk together, and it's fun, you know. And and there's like a community that's built around people that enjoy the stuff that we do, which is awesome. Um, I was in that for Five by Five back in the day, you know, Uh, and it's nice to see those groups build up, and then it's nice to see people that are in those groups and and that kind of stuff. They start doing their own work together. It's it's cool.
1: I'm listening. I was just listening over the weekend to an episode of uh, of uh, Joe Steele's podcast with uh, with Dan Sturm, the Defocused. De-focused. And uh, well, and Joe was on the Incomparable this weekend, which was uh, which was fun. Long time listener, first time caller kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and that was that struck me because those guys are visual effects professionals, and they're talking about movies, and yet almost every um, reference they make there's a there's a reference to tech podcasts. And and at some point, uh, I think in the Ghostbusters episode, Joe actually says something that leads me to believe that he literally believes that they are um, like the footnote to the tech podcast. That they assume their entire audience listens to Roderick on the Line and Upgrade and the Incomparable and ATP and the talk show. And I thought that was really funny because they're not. It's not a tech podcast, but they're. It's like a. They they definitely view themselves as living at least mostly inside this like inside the existing subculture, um, even though their podcast isn't about that. I thought that was uh, an interesting way of doing it. Yeah, so love those guys. Defocused, although it's amusing to to hear somebody who hasn't who didn't live through the eighties, people who didn't live through the eighties talk about movies from the eighties because I, I every every time they make a comment, I want I feel like John Syracuse actually I want to think that was real. <laughs> It was really like that. They're like, oh, this is a very 80s sort of movie thing. No, no, that's a really 80s thing. It was really like that. That's a real thing. People did aerobics. That was a thing.
0: It's not just a movie trope.
1: Not just. (laughs) That's where the trope comes from. Uh, Listener Ryan has some follow-up for us that I thought was really interesting. We asked about how to take listener requests because we did our – our, our lightning round that was very, very slow lightning last week. Mm-hmm. And he said, I work at an ad agency doing social media work, and I found the Twitter hashtag to Google Sheet If This Then That recipe useful for aggrav- aggravating, yes, and aggregating everything, <laughs> coming into a designated hashtag into a shareable spreadsheet. And he shared a link to a recipe, which is not his recipe, but it's an uh, If the, This Then that uh, dot com recipe um for uh, hashtag, and his suggestion is hashtag askupgrade. Um, I actually turned this on. This so amazing. so if you want uh, to tweet your questions to hashtag askupgrade, and you can mention me and Mike too, but that will actually s- stick them all in a Google spreadsheet that I will share with Mike and we will look at, and then I can't guarantee we will actually answer your questions. But uh, that's a really cool idea. So thank you, listener. Ryan.
0: that's actually an awesome way to do follow-up as well mm.
1: yeah i mean throughout the week people can be sending their their questions
0: to uh just any time anytime, anytime yeah. you have a question like what shall i have for breakfast hashtag ask upgrade right. we'll i hope it know. works like, I, I
1: don't you know it hasn't created
0: it yet but i'm hoping it will work interesting I like that. That's really cool, actually. That's uh, we should. I should have been on the lookout for a social media professional from the ins- mm-hmm. from the get go. They could have helped me. So thank you, it, Ryan.
1: It, if you need to hire a, uh, a, a an ad agency to do some social media work, I recommend Listener Ryan. Listener
0: Ryan, Incorporated, yeah, yeah LLC. <laughs> Shall we take a break to thank our first friend for this week's episode? I I I feel a need for some friend thanking right now. Yes. This episode of Upgrade is brought to you by Boom 2 from Global Delight. Boom 2 is a pro audio app for the Mac that offers a system-wide volume booster, advanced equalizer control with presets, amazing audio effects, and so much more. This app was built from scratch and is designed for Yosemite. Boom 2 is tailored to calibrate itself to your Mac as no two Macs are the same, and once you get used to using Boom 2, it becomes something you cannot live without. Personally, I remember Boom 2 saving me from going mad when I was using an 11-inch MacBook Air. I couldn't watch movies or TV shows on it. Netflix was just horrific as it was just too quiet. I just couldn't hear anything. But then I found Boom and it's totally saved the day. And now Boom 2 is here and it's louder clearer and better than ever before with personalized and customized sound to suit any occasion it also gives your mac the power to fine-tune and control every single element of audio spotify netflix youtube and itunes every other service out there is going to sound a whole lot better and it's localized to german spanish french italian dutch and five other languages as well The first version of Boom, Boom version 1, was awarded the Macworld Best of Show in 2011. The Global Delight team is a small team that operates from a small town in southern India. And my illustrious co-host, Mr. Jason Snell, was the man that actually went to their booth to hand over this coveted badge. And the Global Delight guys were very excited to tell me this story, and I think it's so awesome. Jason, do you remember doing this? You know, you were setting that up. It, it was really going to sound like I traveled to a, ta- a
1: town, a small <laughs> town in the south it's of clever. India <laughs> to seek out new Mac applications. And what I found will surprise you. But I do remember. I actually remember when we had. The, uh, so every uh, every year we would have the best of show like debate where all the editors would bring the stuff that they'd seen. And it's not a scientific process like, um, like uh, something like. Even like the Eddie Awards it was a little bit more like we had tested everything and then we we would argue about what we thought the best was. Best of Show was even more hazy. It was like, is this cool? Is this cool enough? And you'd end up with these uh, you know long weird arguments between uh, various editors. And I remember that one especially. We were in a room somewhere at uh, at the convention hall having that conversation. And I remember somebody actually brought out their laptop with a beta, I think, of Boom installed on it, and said said listen to this basically like you know demoed it for us right there and so uh, and uh, that convinced the crowd and so yeah then i i had the job that year of walking around and sort of
0: giving everybody their little uh, trophies or, or ribbons or whatever it was that we were handing out so i remember that well you can now try boom 2 for free for seven days by going to bit.ly slash upgrade boom which i quite like that Bit that ly slash upgrade boom, and we'll put the link to that in the show notes, of course. And when you decide to buy, get twenty percent off by using the coupon code upgrade. This offer is valid throughout December. Thank you so much to Global Delight and Boom Two for sponsoring this week's episode of Upgrade. Good friends. Good friends indeed. In
1: a small town. When I visited them in their small town, is very small. The town. south of India. I know I've never been to India, but they came and visited us in San
0: Francisco. It's, kind of, it's not the same thing at all what are friends for indeed do we have any more follow-up today we do
1: we we have a couple more um i'm gonna i'm gonna say listener tebow it could be tebow i don't know i'm like <laughs> I'm, once again this is the third time i'm gonna say this a little uh john Syracusean and failing to uh i'm tried but probably failed anyway listener tebow says, follow-up regarding Marvel Unlimited. Another reason why there's a six-month delay, he said, I thought this might be tied to a deal with Comixology. Maybe Comixology and Amazon are getting a cut from sales uh, and they'd want to prevent Marvel from offering the same catalog. Now, uh, I think this is a good uh, thought, but I don't think it's accurate. I actually think that Marvel um, Marvel could control this and do what, whatever they wanted. I think it's it, it's. Uh, I don't think that there's an exclusive window uh, that Comixology and Amazon have. I could be Wrong, But I think not. I think the way this is working is that they, they, like with Netflix, there's a primary market and a secondary market. And the primary market is people who spend a lot of money on brand new comics. And they don't want to lose that market and have all their hardest core fans sign up for a $70 subscription service because they would lose money on the deal because those people buy a lot of comics, uh, more than $70 a year worth of comics by a long shot. Uh, from Marvel, so I think I think it's not that I think it's that that's more of the symptom, which is Amazon Comicsology and Marvel are very happy to have people paying the full price for those issues. They, in fact, you can see it that new issues cost maybe four dollars, and then after three months or so, they get cut to like two dollars, um, and then eventually they end up on Marvel Unlimited as well. So they they can because they're digital, they can now cut the price as they get older because they realize that the 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 number one you know, moneymaker for them in terms of profit margin is the people who are going to buy it the first week or two that it's out for full price. So um,
0: that's my theory. I believe it's uh, Thibaut. Thibaut. It's French. Thibaut. Mm-hmm. the Works at RealMic Software. Yeah. Also friends of the show. Listener Michael also had some follow-up for us he, he Which did is uh, interesting I saw this I'm surprised uh, this is in here I <laughs> thought this was very interesting follow-up <laughs> to send in uh, Michael is a very open uh, individual. Yes. I don't know if he expected this to be follow-up read on the show but uh, here we are he
1: put it on he put it on Twitter. If he had sent this in a personal email to us, I might have felt a little different, but he did put it on Twitter and included it to both of us. So it's very definitely about the show. And he says, listener, Michael, he says, I'm not sure how it happened, but um, we had an ahoy telephone moment during our special in quotes, special cuddle time this weekend. So he says, so, so yes, during some private time, uh, listener, Michael and his partner, uh, seems to seem to have accidentally triggered, Ahoy telephone on his uh, on his partner's phone uh, not his he said he said I uh, I uh, I have that turned off <laughs> I have a Hoy telephone turned off on my phone but I, I believe it was it was on on her phone and uh, they have a special uh... so Siri got to be a part of that relationship apparently <laughs> that is what I like to hear Siri's <laughs> bringing people together with a Hawaii telephone, or breaking so, them up. Another reason six. to turn off that feature is what I'm saying. Yes. <laughs> or before you have special cuddle time. Oh dear. Um, <laughs> unplug your phone. It's one of those.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, oh dear. Ah. <laughs> uh, should we t- go to a topic, Mike? Please, I would very much like to go to a topic. What we, what what would you like to discuss today? So topic. Yes? No. I would like to discuss at least as sort is merchandise, okay.
1: merchandising. Um, I've been over the last year or so selling t-shirts for various incomparable things. Uh, I put a I put an incomparable mug up on Zazzle last night because everybody wanted a mug and I didn't want to make and ship. Uh, heavy mugs and worry about them breaking. So I just did a design and put it up there and I'm letting Zazzle uh, Lazzle, Zazzle Lazzle Spazzle Mazzle, I don't know them. Zazzle what a great name. I don't know what it means. Anyway t- Z- Zazzle with the three Z's uh, is, it's up there. And then Relay FM has merchandise too that you opened a Relay FM shop where there's a, uh, a, a t-shirt with a big R on it which I've worn a couple of times. Um indicating that I'm a registered trademark mm-hmm. and uh, stickers
0: as well. Yep. My stuff actually arrived today. Finally. Oh, good. Shipping is a fun, fun thing. Mm. We should talk about that actually. Cause there's interesting points in the merchandise because what we've done, what we've decided to do, um, it's, we decided that we would, we would like to go the route of owning and operating the store ourselves. As opposed to using someone like Cotton Bureau or Teespring or Zazzle. Zazzle. Uh, don't Zazzle. get no, don't know Zazzle t-shirts. They're not good. Um. So I've we we they decided... fade after like one wash. It's not. Oh, really? I don't recommend it. Yeah. Yeah, that's not
1: good. Yeah, I got those for the space shuttle launch. I got a. I made a. I made a couple t-shirts. One one off t-shirts, for which it, you know they do, which was great, and uh, they were great for the event. And then I put them in the laundry, and they were like half faded away
0: after that but they were good for one shot you use them quite a lot oh yeah zazzle like you're just i would like a t-shirt or a mug or a hat well no
1: so i don't the t-shirts i don't i don't i don't do the hats turned out pretty well and then the mugs i I, you know i've been i had a i've i've had a macalope mug that i made on zazzle for like three years now and and it's still great which is why i did the incomparable mug on zazzle it's the same thing that's like but you, you, this is what you were saying is um, there's a lot that goes into this. You've got uh, – if you're making T-shirts, who's going to make the T-shirts? And then how are you going to dist- distribute the T-shirts? Do you make a batch? Do you anticipate what the sizes are? Do you get – a lot of these things like Teespring and Cotton Bureau, they, they take the orders up front. And that's so that they know exactly how many to make. And they make that many. And then they're done. If you don't do that, um, you risk selling out or being left with stuff that's extra. And then somebody's got to fulfill. They call it fulfillment. I hope it's a fulfilling job because technically that's the industry they're in is fulfillment. They've got to put them in boxes and mail them out to people. So there are lots of different choices you have to make when when it comes to to merchandising.
0: Yeah, so what we decided... So basically, the hope is that we could try and make some money out of this like as another way to help support the network. And we figured the best way to make the most money, in theory, is to manage the entire thing ourselves. And also, we would like to... Um, we'd like to do some different stuff, some interesting things, and we'd like to have a permanent store. And kind of, we found the only way to really have a permanent store that we could control in the way we wanted was to set up our own. So that's what we did. So Relay FM store, like we own and operate it. And luckily, uh, Brad Dowdy from the Pen Addict, he has a company called Knock where he makes and sells with his fr- with his friend and co business partner uh, Jeff. They sell pen cases. So and they they ship. Of course they do. They do indeed. They pack and ship all this stuff out of Atlanta. So they are operating the fulfillment of our products for us. So Brad is helping with the t-shirt printing. It's, they're being printed in a local place in Atlanta, and he was on sort of on the ground to check all those out and make sure the proofs were okay. Then we kind of guessed uh, the amounts that we wanted to order right. um, because we had no idea of knowing. Uh, so we kind of took some guesses we ordered a bunch in Um, the t-shirts sold pretty well Uh, the stickers, they were selling a lot better and then we used a a sticker printer for that and then we had the sticker printer send the stickers to uh, the shipping house however we discovered um, after having all the stickers sent out that they are in varying quality Um, unfortunately some are blurry, some are not we are actually getting them all replaced. So if you have been trying to buy a sticker and haven't been able to because we took them off the store because we didn't want to continue getting orders, um, those stickers should be arriving as we record on the 8th of December 2014. The refreshed stickers rev- arrived today. So we mm. hope that they look good and then we'll be able to ship out all of the orders that have been made and then put them back on the store. So these are like the perils of doing it. Uh, yeah. the, the thing is we are, um, we are making more money per order than I have done in previous stuff like this. Sure. But we're also just kind of, you know, we're trying to to deal with the balancing of when do we actually start making some money? Because there's not an awful lot of money in it. And and in theory, the money will get better in the future, but that means we need to keep coming up with new and interesting things mm-hmm. that people actually want to buy because the Relay FM t-shirts, the logo t-shirts, which we hope, which we'll probably keep in stock like forever, um, you know at some point everybody's going to have one that wants one
1: right there'll be an army of people wandering around wwdc with the um, black t-shirt with the white
0: r on it i hope so it's more of a sort of slate blue okay um it's the, the same color as the the background of the it's very dark it is very dark it's, it's dark you
1: right it is more of a slate blue isn't it yeah all right, you win that one. So, uh, oh, as well, by the way, you know, if, if I do ever see
0: anybody in the world wearing one of these t shirts, you get a free hug if you want it. Like, free hug. Yep. It's yours if you want it. You don't have to take it. I'm not going to jump. $100 in. value. I may jump on you, uh, but I'll try not to. Oh, my. Uh, Just you know, don't activate uh, a Hoy telephone when a, that. <laughs> attack hug. And, you know, there's like, so that, you know, we want to try out some other things. We will do show t shirts, um, but they will all be limited. You know, so we'll buy X amount of show t shirts, and when they're gone, they're gone. But I think it's about just this is a lot. This is actually kind of a running theme of the way that me and Stephen have set up Relay. We kind of want to control as much of it as possible. Um, it would have been so much easier for us to just set up Teespring. We did it. We did it with the prompt. We had, a, te- we had uh-huh. a Teespring. I'd done a couple of Teesprings for... I think I did one for the Pen Addict and I did one for 70 Decibels T-shirts. And I've always been very happy with them, actually. They're very responsive. The I found the quality to be very good. Um, but I, I and Stephen... There we go. That's, a, that's that. Huh? Uh-huh. I and Stephen uh, wanted to be able to control it ourselves and there's just like this is a, say a running theme of the things that we're doing is trying to do it on our own i mean obviously it causes a lot more work but i think that we're happier with the end product actually in theory well
1: so I, this is i think this is interesting because i'm going to I, I you may well be right but i'm going to say i wonder if you're insisting on controlling uh everything including things that it may not be worth controlling Uh, maybe not but i having talked to people about this before i did it um i think there there are levels here and you guys are going to this to this extreme well you're not you know packing the the and shipping them yourself you've got somebody to do that but you did uh you want to keep the store open and you did order a large larger amount of merchandise which is tricky because the more you order the cheaper per item but the more stock you have and then you have to um you have to sell out of it uh, or at least get close enough that you are in the profit and your profits come at the end after you've sort of you know you sold enough shirts to pay for the run and then the remaining shirts you sell are in the profits um merchandise can be really successful the 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 nonprofit that i work for uh, national novel writing month that i'm on the board um they they make a pretty good amount of money from their merch sales every year um where they they've got a new t-shirt every year and a new set of merch and their event is once a year and 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 that speaks to something which is there's the um ongoing sale versus the kind of stunt sale and the advantage of doing that stunt sale, like daring fireball t-shirts, or when we've done incomparable t-shirts, is there's a time frame you need to order by a certain date, or you can't get that. And in terms of buying psychology, a lot of times that's a real a real motivator. It's oh, I, I can I want to buy that now because I want that shirt, and I can't just say well I'll get it eventually because it'll be gone. But it has the direct benefit to the to the um, economics of the project by only you're only making as many uh, as there's demand for. And, uh, and then within that, you can go two different ways. Where Cotton, cotton Bureau is basically um, the people who did Pixel Workers, United Pixel Workers, and a screen printer in Pittsburgh. And they work together now to do Cotton Bureau. And that's end-to-end. Like, literally, you send them a design, and if they like it, they will put it up. And then there's a crowdfunding kind of model for two weeks, and then they print the shirt. And they take a lot of money for it, but they do everything. Um, other than you do the design, but even then they they will sometimes help with the design and they want to make sure that it fits with what they're trying to do on the on on the their site. Uh, what John Gruber does with Daring Fireball, I believe, is he's got a screen printer that he's worked with and that other people have worked with that he likes, and the screen printer will will do the shirts, but um but John is still taking orders up front. He uses the order taking to. Uh, determine how many shirts he has the screen printer order, and then I believe the screen printer will do the fulfillment. We'll we'll ship those out. So uh, what what uh, John Gruber is doing is he's doing the part of taking orders himself, and then passing that on to the screen printer. So there are lots of different you know ways you can do this, and it sort of becomes how much time do you want to spend and how much control do you want over it. And for me, with the incomparable stuff, um, I always felt like. Uh, I, on one level, I wanted a lot of control over it. But on another level, I really didn't want to spend my time worrying about shipping out t-shirts or mugs or anything like that. And so for me, I was willing to pay somebody to do that. And I ended up using Cotton Bureau because I'd bought some Pixel Worker shirts. And they, as a proof of concept, they were really high quality. So I knew I was going to get something that wasn't like that Zazzle shirt that faded after after one wash.
0: See I appreciate that it what we are doing um, it requires more work and and at the moment it's requiring an amount of work, but in theory, if it goes the way we would like it to go, a lot of the printing and fulfillment stuff will be handled by and estimated by the guys at knock right and me and Stephen just send them a check right and then then we split the profits at the end of it but if it turns out that this doesn't work, then that's fine. But it's an experiment that we sure, want to try. And we haven't lost any money on it. And um, it's
1: tied in with the brand promise of
0: of Relay, right? Which
1: is, let's do the stuff ourselves, right? Yeah. I mean, I, in some ways, that's part of what Relay represents. And so to have you guys set up your store. And I will admit, I think it's really cool that you've got a store that's open all the time. And things may come in and out of stock, but it's open all the time. Um, there, there's, there's something cool about that because if you want an incomparable Zeppelin shirt today, you can't get it. You just can't get it. We're not selling them. We sold some last year and we sold some earlier this year and right now they're not for sale. And, and, you know, we may have gotten more orders in the meantime, but I also look at Cotton Bureau site where they have a request, a a reprint. And there's, you know, there are a bunch of people who've requested a reprint on that already because they just missed it. And now it's too late. So I like the idea that it's just sort of all always available. The problem is just the the behind-the-scenes stuff. Of the fact is, you can't you can't do a run of one T-shirt. So you know, if somebody wants, uh, uh, you know, a men's XXL and you're out of men's XXLs, your only choices are to go back and print twenty of them, or say, sorry, out of stock. Maybe maybe later. But I like the idea that your store is always there.
0: It it that was kind of where the i the original um the original feeling to do this came from was we liked the idea of having a permanent store that had some stuff in it you know so it's like stickers and uh, t-shirts of some description will always be there and maybe if we try some other little things in the future we'd love to do mugs but we can't we can't do mugs the the fulfillment is is too complex well, that, and expensive that's why. <laughs>
1: That's why the incomparable mug exactly. that never existed. Is now now it exists and it exists on Zazzle. Is yep. like I was saying, they're heavy, they're breakable. Yeah, it just mm, no.
0: But <laughs> Don't there do are, it. there are potentially some other things we could do as as well as t shirts. I mean, because we will always do t shirts because t shirts are fun and also I right. like having t shirts for the for my shows and and my stuff. Mm. However. Uh I know that everybody has a million T shirts, so we are thinking of right. ways and stickers. Is stickers is a good one because or stickers yeah. are a good one. Because they're very they're are cheap. You know, you can get a whole pack for, for I think it's like eight or nine dollars or something like that. And and you can buy just a single sticker of your favorite show for two dollars. I mean, you know, that that's that's fun and you can be like me and cover your laptop right. in stickers. Right. Should we take a quick break? and Because I know that you wanted to talk about... Um... We'll, we'll jump off of this and talk about something a little bit um, beyond
1: merch. But yes, we should hear from a friend first,
0: I think. This week's episode of Upgrade is also brought to you by Smile Software and PDF Pen Scan Plus. PDF Pen Scan Plus is the app for mobile scanning and OCR. It allows you to scan documents using OCR directly from your iPhone and iPad camera. You can take images of multiple pages effortlessly and do post-process image editing. And you can crop these images quickly and precisely, ensuring you never miss anything from the image. You don't miss a word on the receipt. You don't miss a number on that important tax document. PDF Pen Scan Plus even recognises the edges of your images, making sure... But that's how you don't miss these things. And with version 1.5, it now takes advantage of image optimization that's built into the iPhones, making sure that your images are crystal clear every time. PDF Pan Scan Plus can help you blast through stacks of documents and receipts in one go. You can export multiple documents at once, making batch scanning even easier than ever, whilst automatically uploading them to Dropbox or iCloud Drive for storage and availability on the Mac and other iOS devices. PDF Pen Scan Plus can name files by date automatically, and with the built-in OCR scanning, the text of your documents is recognized and made available for copying and pasting into other apps and for easy searching later. This is such powerful stuff. And it's all, believe it or not, in the palm of your hand. PDF Pen Scan Plus is a universal iOS app. It works on both your iPhone and your iPad, and it's available right now on the App Store. You can learn more by going to smilesoftware.com upgrade. Thank you so much to Smile Software for being so awesome, for supporting this episode, and for making PDF Pen Scan Plus, which is something that my accountant is very happy exists. Thanks, Smile.
1: Uh you know yeah it, it's that that's good stuff that's there and from friends scanning in things you can scan in real world items you can scan in
0: crazy stuff and uh then you've got it forever good indeed so funding funding this is what we want to talk about right now right <laughs> we yes we're going to put the fun in funding now <laughs> well no i
1: just we, we're talking about merchandise and 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 that brings up a larger a larger issue which i think is Um, getting money from, look, we are, as we've talked about in previous shows, we are people who are trying to find a way to do what we want to do for a living. Um, but part of that is, is the for a living part that you, you can do what you want to do, but then also how are you going to eat? And, um, there are different approaches here, which I think is interesting. Uh, It used to be that the approaches were, you know, the mainstream media approaches were people paid you for your content and then you also put ads in it. Uh, these days there are lots of different gradations, right? So, um, somebody like uh, John Gruber has site sponsors and podcast sponsors, and we've got podcast sponsors, and that's how we make money from this show. Is the is is that our fr- good friends give us money in exchange for us talking about our good friends? Um, but there are other approaches, right? Uh, Tom Merritt, uh, who used to be at Twit, now has his own daily tech news show. He's using Patreon. And he's bringing in $13,000 a month. He's basically got uh, thousands of fans who are paying him. I think it's maybe roughly 5,000 fans paying him about, um, you know, a little bit less than $3 a month on average. I'm one of those people. I actually don't even listen
0: to his show every day. But I love Tom. And I think he's amazing. And he deserves this. Oh, yeah. He is just the best. He's such a pro. Oh yeah. he's great and he has he has forty five hundred and ninety patrons currently paying yeah. him thirteen thousand one hundred and forty nine dollars and seventy two cents per month so he's he's fantastic I've interviewed him a bunch of times um i think i think i had i've had him on inquisitive i will put a link to that in the show notes
1: yeah so so this uh, is this is to me one of the real patreon success stories where he's got fans yeah He's got fans, 4,500 of which are able to donate. Again, three dollars a month. It's not a lot, and uh, that allows him to do the show. And then the show is free. You're not getting anything by donating, uh, other than to fund more things for him to do. But that's okay. That that's that's the point of it, and that's a great success story. Um, then there's somebody like Ben Thompson who does Stratechery. and he posts like uh, a couple of interesting uh, think pieces every every. Uh, like a couple of week I think on Stratechery.com. and then he has a daily newsletter that's full of links and other thoughts that he has and it's a really good newsletter. I I subscribe to that and that's $10 a month or $100 a year. Um and so for that you're getting something. You're spending you're spending something uh to support him but also to get this newsletter that he writes and he puts a lot of effort. I would say probably 70% of the effort we see on Stratechery is in the uh is in the newsletter and then the other thirty percent is in the pieces on the site. Maybe he would define it differently, but the point is it's a it's a lot. Um, you know, and, and there are other people out here doing this. I actually had a phone call a few weeks ago with, with Sean Blanc about this because he's got members on seanblank.net. He'll be very upset with you,
0: by the way. Why? Blanc. It's Blanc? Yeah, like Mont Blanc.
1: Really? Yeah. I apologize to Sean and to listener Tebow. <laughs> my, I, I don't do French. Sean Blanc, Mont Blanc. Like of course, you'd say he's pronounced like a pen, Mike. Of course, you would say that. It's an easy way to remember it. Shane Shane Blanc is his name, okay? Shane Blanc. And if you go to Shane dot biz dot plumbing, you will see. So so Sean Mont Blanc Pen uh, has a membership too, and I, I talked to Sean about it. I only used his first name because i i hate names mike i don't use i was walking i was walking with my wife yesterday and we were talking about names and how i never um i just never use names i try not to use people's names ever mike except on shows maybe mike
0: i'm 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 the same because i'm terrible at remembering names i'm great at remembering faces horrible at remembering names yeah yeah hey you i I fall back i fall back to being very british oh hello sir oh hello mate and it, it works. Uh-huh. People, people just they, you know, they, they like to hear that. Well, especially Americans, it doesn't work so well in this country. But Americans like to hear it. So they let it go. Oh well. telephone. Oh hi, oh hi, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Hey, pal. Hey. That's Skipper. what I say here to to British people. So
1: so anyway, Sean's got a Sean. What's his name? Has a he's got a membership too, and and his membership has. Uh, I think he does a podcast, a short podcast. Yeah,
0: he does a daily a, da- a daily members only podcast called Sean right. Today. That's his main thing. That yeah. he gives, and he has like a pledge drive, like a membership drive every year. And he does like giveaways and stuff, right? And I know, like Sean's, Sean is an interesting one to me because he he was doing this for. He's been doing this for a while. There weren't a lot of people that were doing memberships when Sean did his, and and he kind of looked to John Gruber for inspiration. Mm -hmm. Um, and then Sean set up his own and it kind of, it started off a lot of people trying to do, uh, sort of, I am an independent writer, please support me type stuff. And, and Sean has done very well and and continues to do very well. I believe it's his main source of income, even though he does own like a thousand websites. Um, (laughs) I believe that the, the membership is Sean's thing mainly, and he continues to be very successful from it, which is a great success story but he also takes sponsorship as well it's like it's another avenue of income for Sean
1: right and you put it, and you put it together and and this is i think this is interesting this is not that different from i think the struggle that app developers face in terms of deciding how am i going to you know can i can i charge for this app can i do in-app purchases is there a subscription model here i mean this is finding the right way to get people to pay for things is uh is a challenge and then i i what i found and i think um Sean has found this. I think Ben Thompson has found this, and I, it's obvious that Tom Merritt has found this. Is there are people who like what you do and want to support you, and um, there are different ways to approach that. Tom Merritt, like I said, I don't think the people who give him three dollars a month on Patreon are getting access to any special content. They're just getting the good feeling of supporting this guy who's going to make great stuff that they that they uh, you know listen to or watch every day. Um, for for somebody like Ben or or Sean. You're getting something out of it. Now, you may or may not actually listen to every podcast or read every newsletter, but there is uh, a feeling like uh, it's an exchange where I'm giving you money because I like you, but also I get something out of it, whether I take advantage of it or not. And there's some psychology there. Um, And it's just it's fascinating to see these different approaches and. I mean the the reason that I talked to Sean and didn't use his last name uh, a couple weeks ago is that I'm absolutely thinking about this. This is one of those things that I'm thinking when I'm trying to come up with a way to like I said, uh you know, make a living doing things I that I love. And I've heard from people since I left Macworld saying, "How can I support you? I'm I don't I'm not an advertiser. I don't have a product, but I'd like to support you." And right now my answer is well you can't. <laughs> I have no way to do that. Um But tell people about the site. But I'm definitely thinking about this for for me or for Six Colors or something like that. Could I do a membership? What would I offer? Would people want to give some money to me on a regular basis to support what I do in addition to the sponsorships? Would that be the difference? It's entirely possible that that could be the difference between me um, making it or not. With something like six colors, it is no knowing some of these other examples out there, and 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 Tom is a is is in the stratosphere, I would say, but you can see he's in the stratosphere with four thousand five hundred people so you know it doesn't take that that thousand true that kevin kelly thousand true fans thing there's truth to that like a a small group of people paying a small amount of money to somebody to do something that they that they you know to keep doing what they like that person doing can make the difference between success or failure and uh that's fascinating now I, i haven't done anything about it yet other than think about it but it's definitely something that i've thought about i don't know you know, I, I don't want to do a tip jar, right? I, that that I don't, I, and I don't know if you've thought about this for Relay. If you if you want to do anything other than, you know, th- sponsorship and some merchandise things. I know people feel like when they buy a T-shirt they're supporting you, but you know, the the amount of money you get at, like you said, out of a T-shirt is not particularly
0: great. So yes. Uh I have thought about it. Yeah,
1: yes to which, okay. Um, I I asked you like 90 questions there well, in the form of statements. So yes. It is you've, actually you've thought about yes
0: it. to all of them. So basically, so I get the same thing, we get the same thing. I would love to support you. What do you have a Patreon? I I get that question a couple of times a week at the moment. Um for a while I was thinking about it, uh but then after having some conversations and then also thinking about it some more, I love Patreon. I think it's amazing, but for some reason, I th- don't think it's right that we're there. Relay is maybe different to 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 say you.
1: Well, right. I, I think that's an aspect of this too: is people versus product because i I thought about doing a a membership for incomparable too but that would be a different thing and that would be that's much more complicated because there's different podcasts and different people who would be involved and the money would need to go to different places and i'm not you know that would be a different kind of thing not necessarily better or worse but a very different thing than i'm supporting jason doing and six colors being the most obvious place where it's you know it's sort of my thing and I have some other people writing there occasionally but it's really my thing and Relay is many things right so so it's a little harder to pin down I want to support Mike versus I want to support Relay.
0: And because I am Relay right That's this is where all of my creative endeavours go I don't want to have a Patreon for me right because Right. It doesn't feel right. I don't want to have a Patreon for Relay because Relay is a company that sells ads as well as a company that creates podcasts. Right. And there's just something in that to me, which is peculiar. Like that I am an entity as in the business, right? The business has these two parts of it. So I don't really want to have a Patreon for that. There's just something about it. So then I thought, could we have a direct membership again? We do it ourselves. right? <laughs> it's another right. thing that I'm thinking, would we want to do it ourselves? Maybe that one is a maybe I think but I just don't know what I would give and I feel like it would have to be something really good and I don't know what it is yet. I right. have an idea for a thing that I'm working on which is not membership related, but there could be something that falls out of that which we could offer to people. And uh, and maybe, I don't even know if we would want to call it a membership, we might call it something completely different, but it could be a way for people to give us money for a certain thing, right? Like right. you're buying something regularly from us, which is digital. And- and I feel like I feel like whether
1: it's a a direct transaction of money for a certain thing or it's money for uh, access to a thing, I like that. I mean, I mentioned Sean's Sean's podcast, right, and Ben Thompson's newsletter, and and I think there's some truth to that. That you may not actually read the newsletter, you may not actually subscribe to that podcast, but you, I still think psychologically, uh, you're getting something for your money. And that I like that. I like that as a, a person giving money and as a person receiving money. I think that is a better kind of transaction than Patreon. Although I, I like the idea of Patreon, I just it makes me a little uncomfortable uh, because it is it is purely I like you, and instead of being like I like you, so I'm buying your product or subscribing to your your product. And for me, that that second one feels better to me. It feels more tangible even if you don't use the product right (laughs) you just want to support the person you don't have to use the product nobody's going to make you read the newsletter but uh but there is something there you are getting something and when it comes time a year down the road to renew you have a reason for renewing beyond support which is access to these you know this thing that has has maybe some value to you I, i don't know it's it's a it's 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 tricky, but I do believe that that if I were going to do something like this, I would want to have something as a benefit, um, and not just do, not just do Patreon. Patreon, it's really cool. We've talked about it for incomparable. Um, we've talked about doing it for like our radio dramas, although we've talked about doing Kickstarter for that too, which is also another thing that's out there. Uh, the difference there is that Kickstarter there starts to be this um, implication that you're going to get everybody's going to get goodies, and that you're using the the cash specifically to fund the project. Whereas with Patreon, it's more about support. It's about these are people making a, a cool thing and I want to support them. And uh, that's the, to me, that feels like a difference from Kickstarter, where it's literally like, why am I giving you this money to make this thing? So I, you know, the money better be in the thing, which is not always how it works. So I don't know. It, it's fascinating that there's so many different options here, but I, I feel totally paralyzed about it. I'm, I'm only now at the point where I'm starting to really think maybe I will do something like this. But, it's just been it, – there's so many different approaches. And asking people for money, you know, that that also is a, it's a big step. But at the same time, it's very hard when you're out on your own and people are saying, I really like the stuff that you've done and I like the stuff you're doing now, but I'm never going to be able to do anything beyond buy a T-shirt and I have too many T-shirts to just turn them away and say, well, you know – I mean, this is what Lex Friedman does when we talk about uh, podcast advertising is, you know, he, he says – he's he's told me a few times that – you know, you can do a Kickstarter or you can do something like that, but it's very difficult to get that that to work instead of advertising. But you could do both, and that you know, there. I I don't think there's anything wrong with that if the advertising
0: is uh, is reasonable. That just feels like I I agree with what you're saying, but it feels like to me the difference is uh it's you, it's just Jason. I don't know. It feels like that. There's something there which is uh, it feels better than than the like a, a big company, a, you know, a big, yeah, but a company. Certainly,
1: certainly that's true. Um, in the chat room, Brian Hamilton says, um, "You know, uh, I would pay a few bucks a month to see six colors without ads." But this is this is the thing, and this is actually a path we tried to go down. This with MacWorld Insider. The, the, first off. You know the ads on six colors are a little text block, a single text block at the top that doesn't change for a week and a single post uh, once a week. So th- th- there's not a lot of ad clutter there. but this is this is the challenge is um, if you take your best audience and you and you sell them a product essentially that blocks the ads, then what you're doing is you're trading your your you're, you're adding value by having people give you money and removing value from the people seeing the ads. And that essentially, um, I I've come to believe the math doesn't really work when you do that. You kind of need to do both and it needs to be supplemental and I I think removing ads as the product that you're selling is not necessarily the that much of a, a strong point. plus people who want to remove the ads can remove them anyway or you can ignore them. Um, but that goes that that's sort of what Lex's point was is if you're trading one for another, it's a lot harder to make the math work.
0: yeah, it's like anything that we ever did we're not going to get rid of ads and we're not going to talk about that i know that it's something that dan benjamin talks about with his patreon you know that, right. that they talk about re- reducing ads which is i mean i could say it's a very perplexing thing to me um, because he's in that business so it's it's one of the reasons that we wouldn't want to do it is i believe in the advertising model for podcasts and i will show that in selling our advertising right and, I, and that's I, a big import. That's an important thing to both of me and Stephen. Is that I we don't dilute that. I appreciate Dan saying, um, if I get enough money on
1: Patreon, maybe we don't have ads in our podcast. But really, that's that sounds to me like saying like a like a professional sports franchise saying, if you fund uh you know if you fund upgrades to our stadium, um you know maybe ticket prices will go down they're not going to go down they're going to go up because you're going to get the money from over there and you're going to get the money from over here and that's just going to that's sort of how it works that's not you're not it seems unlikely that it would happen any other way so yeah i i if nothing else um i think what this points out is it's it's complicated and these things are, at least for us, I can't speak for everybody else, are things that we think about a lot and think about the ramifications of. And that it's not something you do on a lark. I I I appreciate that um you guys like like me are really wary about the idea of asking your audience for money. And if you're going to do it, you want to do it right. And if you can't do it right, you don't want to do it. And that's definitely where I am now. Um and I you know people like Tom Merritt and Ben Thompson and 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 Sean Blanc are, that's how you pronounce that, are uh, inspirations in that way that they they have done it and they've gone out there and asked for a support from their audience and gotten it. And that's, that is really inspirational. But it's you know, when money is involved especially, you don't want to screw that up. And not just because like, oh no, I might lose money but like, I don't want to cause a rift between the people who like what I do and me over me mishandling the you know whatever it is where money is involved you know money money can change relationships i would hate to sour my relationship with the people who like what i do because i asked for money in some un you know inappropriate way or or did something wrong where it was a mess i don't want to do that
0: do you know what part of the problem is with removing the ads for money you actually lose the people that are probably most likely to click or listen or well, that's connected that, to that, ads. Yes, that's exactly
1: what the what they said um, when we tried to do MacWorld Insider yeah. was it's very hard for the salespeople to go out and say we're giving you these you know this great audience the most tied in of which won't see your ads. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's
0: tough. That's and a that, tough one, and that is a true thing. Like I, I find that the people that that support our sponsors there are a portion of people that support our sponsors to support us. And that is like the best thing that anybody can do because I mean, I believe that relay can make more money from advertising than it can from direct. Yeah. I, I think in most cases that that's the,
1: just the truth is that the advertising money is, has much more upside than the direct sponsorship money. Um, the direct sponsorship money is more constant. It's from the people who really care about you. It's going to be there for you in the lean times. But it's never going to be with very few exceptions. I would say even Tom Merritt, um, somebody like Tom Merritt, who's a success story for Patreon, he could he can monetize his podcast better with ads on his podcasts uh, than the money he's making from Patreon. You know, And he can choose to do that or not do that, but I, I, with an audience the size that he probably has... I would be surprised if that isn't a product that could generate way more than thirteen thousand a month, right? Um, and that's the trick. So, yeah, it's weird. We all just want to, you know, we all just want to make great stuff. Bottom line is, we all just want to make great stuff and be able to do that for a living. That's really what it is. And then it's just a matter of the math of how do you do it, how do you make something. I, I've seen so many businesses that get so deep down into advertising and it's crappy advertising, and they make bad decisions, and the the product suffers. And I'm, um, you know. I saw it happen at my at my previous employer, and I've seen it happen elsewhere in the media. Um, I, I I actually don't like the idea of entirely relying on advertising to support yourself because uh, once you're that down in it, it's very hard to. It gets very hard to say no, and you end up compromising so much of what you're doing. Not not like saying things that aren't true, but like putting junk all over your pages and sending out emails that are full of sponsor messages because you need nobody wants it but you need to send it and i I just i would really like to not go down that route because that i've been there and uh audience support is one way that you avoid going down that route and diversifying and it gets you through the tough times when you might you know you might accept that really crappy ad um, and lets you say no i'm not going to do that that's not what my audience
0: wants I have one, one more last little point that I've been thinking about with this sort of stuff. And I've been having some conversations about this recently. You know that people say quite quite a bit, not not too frequently, but you hear it. Um, your advertisers influence your content. Like this is something that you hear people make the claim or ask, do they? I wonder if listener support or direct support would actually make a bigger uh, change or influence to your content than advertisers like for example if you had a podcast that you liked to be for an hour but you know you had a a bunch of your listeners that you in you know that that like the show to be 30 minutes and the ones that like it to be 30 minutes are the ones that pay but the people that don't pay like it to be an hour Mm. where are you going to go with that Right. And well, if if all
1: your funding is from the from the listeners who who pay, you might you might very much want to do that or you might provide them with two versions of the show. <laughs> uh, there are lots of different ways to go. But you're right that 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 you've got different customers then in a way, I, except in some ways that's pure. Right. Because you really we really do make these shows for the audience and not for the advertisers. We had an interesting email thread, you and I, with mm-hmm. a, a gentleman who um, congratulated us on being independent and then said but you know you're not really independent (laughs) because you just do what your advertisers want you to do it's like well no that's not really how it works and his response was something like yes that's really how it works (laughs) i was like no no that that's not how it works you have to make the the show or the website or whatever for the people who are reading it and then the advertisers love that you've got such great people reading your stuff or listening to your stuff and they want to reach those people too but that's not the same as saying uh, if you build a product for an advertiser nobody will want to see it trust me yep. i've i've done the you know the holiday gift guide for with like 40 articles about whatever that's labeled holiday gift guide because it's we sold it and to you, you know by nobody Amazon or something. nobody wants it yeah. but you have to make it because it got sold and that's not that's not good that's not good content the good the good stuff is the stuff that you make for for the real people out there, and so yes, if the real people were giving you money, and so your entire model was your audience, uh, your audience gives you the money, and you will, all you need to do is make them happy, then it's doubly you serving your audience. But you should already be serving. It's so anyway, right? Yeah,
0: of course. I mean, and that's what what I'm saying is that not not what I'm. It's not why I'm saying that I don't listen to people and and do what what people would like us to do because ultimately we need the listeners to be here. But I think that there's an interesting, like, I wonder, I just wonder what is what is a bigger potential effect, sponsor money or crowdfunding money? Because I would feel more personally attached to the individual who's giving us their money that they earned than the sponsor that we work with. Like there is just a greater human personal attachment in that instance. You know, our sponsors are great and I love working with them, but many of them are really large companies. And the person that I'm dealing with is awesome, but they're spending a marketing budget, mm-hmm. so it's a little bit more detached. It's a business transaction, but th- w- the crowdfunding thing is a direct, like, uh, kind of exchange between two people. And I don't know. This is uh, I, I haven't really got a fully fleshed out thought with this one, but it's just something that I've been pondering when thinking about this stuff. Is is there is there a potential bigger? Uh, or at least would I feel different about the content? I think I would I think I would feel different if people were paying me directly for it. Well I think I think the
1: most um the the biggest difference would be We were talking about the thousand true fans approach, right? So you've got a podcast that's being listened to by twenty thousand people, but a thousand of them are your true fans. And this is the difference, right? Your sponsors are very happy to reach 20,000 people. Um, so if you're getting money from sponsors, the 20,000 people, that is that is your target audience. But if only if, if you're giving the show away for free, but 1,000 people are funding it, then the 1000 shouldn't the 1,000 people be your target audience if that's all you're doing? I, I think this is why it ends up being that a little bit of both is probably a good idea because you're making something that's brought, got broad appeal, but only a small percentage of the people are gonna love it enough to want to give you money for it and so you have to do a little bit of both, um, but it's it's a yeah it's it's funny that we're living in a world where these all these things are possible. Like, like I said, that just makes it that much more difficult to figure out what you actually want to do.
0: So we've spoken quite a bit about making money. Yes, Jason. Sh- sh-
1: let's tell. Let's take a sponsor break. Should not we?
0: <laughs> I think it's the right time, Jason? Would you uh, like to tell me all about MailRoute?
1: I am speaking to you about MailRoute because they are a friend, and because you are my friends. This is the perfect time, or the least perfect time, to do a sponsor read, isn't it? <laughs> um, I use MailRoute. I've been using MailRoute for more than a year now, and MailRoute is a uh, is a system that lets you uh, get rid of spam and viruses and and bounced emails, so they don't even come to your inbox, and you don't have to buy any hardware or or invest in any software that runs on your own systems. It happens in the cloud, they would say now, I suppose, um, at MailRoute servers. So MailRoute. The way it works is basically you point your mail inbound at MailRoute, and then it comes to your mail server after that. And MailRoute does this thorough kind of washing of your email and pulls the spam out. I've been very satisfied. They send me a little email every day that says, here's what spam we trapped, and 99 times out of 100, I would say, it's all spam. And I, I get a good laugh at some of the subject lines. It's like, I found your ATM card. And, you know, things in broken English about how I've got an incredible value waiting for me um, if I will just give them my credit card.
0: Oh, you got my email?
1: Yeah, thanks, Mike. I, I uh, route took care of it for me. Oh,
0: it's such a shame.
1: So uh, it, it really does a very good job. And so I'm getting a lot less spam. It's got a lot of, of, of settings that you can configure to make it work the way you want, how often you want to get the digest saying what got filtered out. Um, if you're a regular person like me, who's just an individual, or I've got a Google Apps installation, so I've got like four users on my domain, and that was very easy to set up. It all routes through MailRoute and then comes to us, um, and uh, that's great. If you're a uh, an, an email administrator, an IT pro, something like that, they've got all the, all the tools uh, for you, they've got an API. They support LDAP, Active Directory, TLS, outbound relay, and Mike's favorite feature, mailbagging. Love a mailbag. <laughs> it's the best. Uh, everything you'd want for the people handling your mail. So if you're if you're an admin uh, for your organization and, and you are tired of dealing with spam, MailRoute could be great for you. And if you're a regular person, you could uh, you can potentially use MailRoute as well for your mail. So here's what you need to do to take advantage of our very special offer and remove your spa- remove spam from your life for good. Go to mailroute.net slash upgrade. You'll get a free trial and 10% off for the lifetime of your account. Not 10% off the first month or the first year, but forever if you go to mailroute.net slash upgrade. And thank you so much to MailRoute for helping put food on the tables here at my house and
0: at Mike's house. Thank you, Mauro. and a good friend. A good friend indeed. What else do you, is on the uh, is on the agenda for today's episode? Sir?
1: So, in the story arc of today, I, I want to move next. Now, so, we talked about merch, and then we talked about money, and I want to talk about success and failure. And and um, we 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 will probably need to go on and on about this at some point in the future, but. Um, listener Mike sent a link to a, a post I'd actually already seen, but I hadn't really thought of it as a topic until Listener Mike sent it in. Which um, uh, Anil Dash did a post on the ThinkUp blog at thinkup.com about um, how ThinkUp is doing as a business, and uh, it's a really good, uh, honest post about how you know this is the Anil is doing this startup with Gina Trapani. Um, It's a social media, it's like social media analytics. I I paid for a year of ThinkUp. It's actually really kind of cool. It sends you an email every day saying like, finding interesting nuggets about how people have interacted with you in social media, Uh, but it's going okay. They're happy with the product, but it's been problematic to market it. Um, And they are building basically what he says is a small solid business, not a venture capital scale business. So they've they've it looks like they laid some people off, but they they still have other people working on it, and it's not dying. It's just not growing uh as fast as they had hoped. And this resonated with me because um John Gruber in his talk at XOXO this year said this too, and it was something that as I was just going out on my own, I um I filed away, and I keep thinking about it too, which is There's success and there's failure and there's this muddy middle and forgive me because I think I've talked about this a little bit before, but Anil's post really brought it home, which is, you know, we all view uh, things through the lens of did it work or did it not work? Was that business a success or a failure? When you went, Mike, when you quit your job um, and went out on your own, did you win or did you lose? Right. When I when I left Macworld and decided to go out on my own, did I win or did I lose? And what what Gruber said at XOXO, and that's the resonance with Anil's post, is um, the problem is that it's not a binary answer. Usually you usually aren't a crashing failure or a a runaway success. Um, A lot of the truth is in the middle and it's the um, it's going okay. Kind of thing, right? It's not great. It's not terrible. It's okay, and it's much harder to make a decision about: Do I want to keep doing this? Is this going to work? Can I can I make this work if it's in the middle? Because you can you can say forget about it, and except I mean Glenn Fleishman was talking about this for the magazine. It was the same thing. The magazine is wrapping up. This month, and, and he's, he's shutting down production of it. But for a year, he had been caught in the middle of I don't want to shut it down because there's money coming in, but there's not a lot of money coming in. So it's not a success. It's not a failure. What do I do? And I think that's, I think uh, the Think Up post just brings it home again that um, there's a whole lot of gray, and um, that is where most businesses operate and, you know, especially I think most small businesses and most independent people like us. And um, it, it, I really recommend Anil's post just because you get that glimpse into they're not a runaway success, nor are they a failure. What happens when you're in the middle? How do you do course corrections? How do you figure out how to make it work? When do you start doing what, what, you know, you and I were talking about, which is, are there other revenue streams? Is there some other thing to do? and I, I, it's way too early in my journey to, to know whether I'm in success or failure mode here. I would, I would say that I'm not in failure mode yet, but I would say I'm also not yet in success mode. I'm kind of in the middle and I didn't expect to be. But in six months, if I'm at the point where I need to make a decision about am I going am am I to do this or am I going to write this off, um, it would really be nice if I had clarity. But I, I need to steel myself for the fact that it's not going to be clear. Because it probably won't. Chances are it won't be, because that's not how most of this stuff uh ends up.
0: I spoke I, I promise this is not purposeful because there's like another link to Inquisitive in the show notes. It's like four now. I spoke to Gina Trapani <laughs> about this last week. Um and there seems to be this the interesting like the idea of where, where are you comfortable with your company being And and it kind of ties into how we were talking about that team aspect, like earlier in the show today and last week. Like, I'm happy with us making a decent amount of money and being okay. Like, I say this to people quite a lot. Like, I have no... I don't want necessarily... it's It's not on my list of goals for Relay to make me a very wealthy man. That is not what I do this for. Like, I just want to earn a comfortable living be a podcaster forever like that's all i want this to do so that kind of middle like we are surviving we're doing good we're paying people we, you know we're we're making money it's fine i'm happy with that i i don't need this to be this american life for for me to be happy like i'm i'm happy with where we are now and and i hope that we just scale at that level and then i you know uh-huh. then that's great for me that's all i really need and want this thing to do yeah, I I another part of this and I think
1: that goes into Anil's post is that, you know, they got investors. <laughs> and investors tend to want that venture capital scale growth. And that comes back to, you know, why are you why are you doing this? Neither of us, I think, is in this to create some explosive growth that uh is going to make us all rich, rich, rich. I think we're all trying to explore doing this and um, and making a living with it. And, and, and that's just a different approach. I, I, I read all these stories about Gimlet Media and the startup podcast and all that. And I thought, well, that would be, have been the other way to go, right? For, for Relay or for me or, or whatever to say, I'm going to find some investors. They're going to give me, a you know, they're going to give me a few million bucks and I'm going to get marketing and I'm going to hire talent and I'm going to hire producers and we're going to make a big podcast thing. And that's great as long as, it works and you have the explosive growth that's going to be needed to make that investment worthwhile and you know neither neither of us uh is doing that with the with what we're doing we are doing the uh sustainable slow and steady um i want to i want to make something that's successful um, but i'm not in this to create that giant thing and that's okay i mean i'm not saying that the that the the big startup podcast thing is a bad idea. It's just a very different way to approach it.
0: We thought about it. You know, is this something that we would sure. want to do? And we decided we didn't want to do it. Um we didn't even go far into like it was it was just an idea at the start, you know. Do we want to do this? Do we want to look at investment? And it was for us at least, this very quickly became a no i don't we don't want to go down that route simply it's because it, you know the idea of doing it on our own it doesn't lend to that um so we decided that we wouldn't do it you know it just wasn't something that we were willing to try out yeah. and and we just didn't pursue that route and and i don't begrudge people from doing that i think that there are definite merits uh but we were in a very lucky position that we were able to start this company from savings accounts um and and that was perfectly fine you know as i'm sure yeah. you started six colors in the same way from from a savings account that you had probably and uh went from there yeah
1: oh yeah it's um it's very much that thought well plus i'm decompressing from you know whatever 17 years at this corporate media job where the other part of it is do i want to immediately come out of that and then enter in a situation where i am doing doing something where i have an investor or owner or something who's going to have me make those decisions based not necessarily on making the best product but on uh doing what we need to do to grow and generate uh generate large revenue growth and I boy, was I not willing to have those conversations when I was exiting my old job. So you know, what would, would, under other circumstances would I would I talk to somebody about creating a media company and um, with investors and all of that? Sure, I, I, I might I might, under other circumstances do that because I have skills in working, you know, creating different products and working with big staffs and stuff like that. But boy, um, not now. <laughs> I need more time. I, I need a lot more time before I would even consider something like that.
0: So do we have anything on our list today? I know I have something that I wanted to talk to you about very quickly.
1: Yeah, well let's do your let's do your topic and then we'll we'll uh, forward promote the topic for next week.
0: So this is a very just a very short thing. Um I for the first time today held an iPad Air 2. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm interested by it. Uh, it was surprising how thin it actually is. Uh, it's not that I'd avoided it. I just assumed that I wouldn't be interested in it because the big iPads are not really the iPads that, that I buy. Um, or at least I thought that I was interested in because I find sometimes the big iPad to be kind of, uh, comical in its own way because it's, it feels like a weird iOS. It's like this huge thing and, it, you know, et cetera. Anyway, uh and i know that you have yours are you still using the ipad air 2 as your ipad
1: no i'm i'm back to my uh ipad mini 2 okay that i that i've been using for the last year okay uh i still have the ipad it's a review unit so i i think i have to get it back to them next month but i it's 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 around and i will use it occasionally for you know checking something on that on that uh, device but mostly it's back to my the one that i I've been using all along the the mini two. The, the, I do every time the I get another like Safari tab reload or switch to an app and it has to reload. I'm reminded of how much nicer the iPad Air two is. Not not just because of the speed of the processor, but because of the RAM.
0: Um. So, what would you consider going to iPad Air two, or do you think you're going to stay with the mini? Um if i was looking for a brand new
1: ipad right now today if if i didn't have that that mini um the mini 2 so it's a retina it's essentially last year last year's model same as uh, same as this year's model of mini um i i would seriously consider the air 2 only because it is uh so much faster having that extra RAM is a big deal and it's so light and thin that even though it's got that huge screen um, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel enormous Um, and since I read comics on an iPad having the bigger screen to read the comics is great that said I do so much work um, responding to emails and tweets and things like that Uh, so much active, uh, typing and stuff on the, on the mini in landscape orientation. And I can thumb type really well on that device and I can't on the air too. It's too big. I can't type like that. So I would, I would have to find a new typing strategy, move it into portrait. I I don't know what I would do, but I can thumb type really well on the, on the mini. So it would be a lot to give up, but, um, that, that extra Ram, especially, it's just huge. So, I don't know. I, I It would be a toss-up. Even now, it would be a toss-up. I think I said in my little Six Colors Holiday Gift Guide that the iPad I recommend right now is the iPad Mini 2, because it's a really great deal for what it is. And the and the uh, iPad Mini 3 is not a very good deal. But the Air 2 is a beautiful thing. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I'd say it's a toss-up. But I'm, I'm going to accept that I'm a weirdo who likes that little iPad Mini. And that uh, most people... I mean, you've got a 6 Plus, so, geez, you don't need an iPad Mini. Yeah, uh, so
0: the iPad Mini just sits in this weird place where sometimes yeah. I need, just want something for a slightly bigger screen, but those things are very, very uh, far and few between. Um, yeah. So I was wondering, do I need an iPad in my life? And I was hoping that you would just flat out tell me no, not to I, get it. Well... But, that, but you haven't done that, which is fine. I don't want you to no, change your... Uh, I,
1: I think I, I don't know. I I think given what you do, um, for a living, that it's less I, just the podcast stuff. I I have this dream of being able to take only my iPad with me on a on a trip or something and leave the Mac at home. But podcasting makes that just not it's not possible. Just the recording and editing and podcasting. Some of it is difficult and some of it's impossible. And uh, you know I, I I think you've got you've got your laptop. And you've got your Mac mini and you've got your iPhone six Plus, And I don't know. I mean, I, where I use my iPad is on the couch and in the kitchen and in bed. It's like in the house and I'm not actively like writing something. That's what I use. That's my auxiliary computing device. That's what I do Twitter on and uh, check email on. It's, it's almost entirely um, that on the iPad mini. And it's great for that.
0: Uh a bit of real time follow-up. Yes. Um the the new stickers look good. Oh good. So I just received I, pictures right now.
1: And I have opened the all the uh hashtag ask upgrade tweets at Google Doc, and there are indeed three tweets in it. Wow. Um and uh Kyle Seth Gray says what's the best burrito? Okay. And my favorite burrito is is a barbecue chicken burrito that I get at my local uh my local burrito uh burrito burriteria, I don't know. Uh that's the one that I like. That's my that's my favorite. It's great. It's uh yeah, barbecue chicken and beans and and uh like a barbecue saucy kind of sauce and uh oh, and some grilled onions and it's oh it's really good. That's my best burrito. So see, right from the spreadsheet. Look at that. Perfect and uh listener murder at murder of crows on twitter asks does this thing work hashtag ask upgrade
0: yes we can confirm it does does. yep so uh we would like to tease next week's topic
1: yes um holidays did you know that it's the holidays mike i'd heard thanksgiving thanksgiving is over As you know, you're finally out of the haze of Thanksgiving. All those leftovers, all that turkey. Woo! Um, It is the holidays. It is the end of the year. Celebrating the fact the Earth goes around the sun. (laughs) It's like another loop completed. Happy New Year. Um, I, I think something that we should probably talk about... Uh, this month is about the holidays and about uh, what all goes into that along with like bests and favorites of the year and gift ideas and other things like that. So if people have feedback or thoughts about best of the year and holidays and gifts and things like that, maybe they should send those along because we'll talk about that next week. And then um, presumably the week after too, because we've got December on one level, it feels like it goes on forever on another level. I feel like completely, Um, stressed out about how little time I've got uh, between between now and when we're leaving, because we're going to visit my mom in Arizona. And so I've only got two weeks and then we're on the road. Um, And I'm hoping still to do an episode of Upgrade where I just call you from out in the middle of the desert, just like in the car driving through the desert and there's no one around but like a tumbleweed and a
0: coyote. And we do a show. I would like that very much. We'll see. Maybe. I would like that very much indeed. If you'd like to find the show notes for this week's episode, you want to take your web browser and point it towards relay.fm slash upgrade slash 13. A, 13. Lucky number 13. There's a lovely mm. list of links in there. If you'd like to find me on the internet, I'm at imike, I-M-Y-K-E, and I am a podcaster at relay.fm. Mr. Jason Snell writes the fantastic six colors, and he is at jsnell on Twitter, J-S-N-E-L-L. We'll be back next time. Don't forget, hashtag askupgrade. And uh, I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. (laughs) Yes, as do I. (laughs) And we'll be back. (laughs) Say goodbye, Jason. Farewell.